Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and a rich mountain culture that we will explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in those mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is travel, but my heart is in culture. So today, we're going to talk about water, and I'm going to talk about headwaters and swimming holes, and my guest, Olwyn Claiborne, the marketing director of Smoky Mountain Outdoors Rafting, one of the premier rafting providers in the Smoky Mountains, is going to talk about whitewater rafting. Hi, Olwyn. How are you doing? Hi, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. So um, before we get into whitewater rafting, I'm going to hit the smaller things. <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, mentioned that we do have a lot of waterfall uh, culture to talk about, but we're going to do a whole show on waterfall too. That's sort of a special thing. Um, so uh, I'm going to talk about headwaters. I don't know. Um, it's a common saying that everyone lives downstream in Haywood County, where I, where, uh, where, I, where I grew up. Um, but uh, we also live upstream is, um, because the, basically the, the headwaters of the, of, the, of the, because we live amongst the headwaters of the land's meandering streams, creeks, and rivers. Headwaters is where water starts. It's where the river starts, stream starts, where it comes out of the ground. It's not, if not from rainfall, it just comes right out of the mountainsides. Um, so, and what happens is the rainfall permeates down through the soil, becomes naturally filtered and cleaned as gravity pushes it back in the cracks uh, from the cracks in the rock below. And then it moves laterally and downhill till it spouts out of the side of a mountain as headwaters. Uh, and then where it flows down to the to other, other waters, to the ocean, wherever its destination is. Um, and so every waterway in, in, in Haywood County and, and also in much of the Smoky Mountains begins uh, as headwaters originating right here, right in the mountains. Uh, Haywood County has the West and East Fork Pigeon River, uh, the Richland Creek, Jonathan Creek, Crabtree Creek, Fines Creek, and then a lot of little streams and everything else. So that means everything used to uh, nurse crops, brush teeth, bathe, or hydrate, flows originally from Haywood County's headwaters uh, and from the mountains on the upper side. So we have an incredibly uh, clean water. When it comes out and it, and it comes out clean, it makes it a lot easier to keep it clean. Um, there's ways that it's got dirty, and we're going to talk about that later. Um, <laughs> most of the water goes to Tennessee uh, through the Pigeon River uh, Basin, and then, but some of it flows over to, to, uh, to Asheville area in Mumbling County. And, you know, I, I, when, uh, in the last, I don't know, 20 years, Maggie Valley, the, my, my little town in Haywood County, has started bottling water, believe it or not. Did you know that? They bottled the, the, from the headwaters, and they've been selling it as both as a tourist thing and uh, to various places uh, that carry, carry about really uh, great uh, uh, um, waters. And, that, and that, that's, uh, that's from the headwaters of Jonathan Creek. Now I'm going to talk about swimming holes, and the first thing I'm talking about is Jonathan Creek. Now, um, I have a, as some of you know, I have a, a motel in, in, um, in Maggie Valley called the Metal Arc Motel, uh, sort of a motel chic resort. Uh, and we have Jonathan Creek, which is a mountain heritage 
uh, trap stream going right through the back of, of that uh, of that uh, property uh, where our guests can fish, they can swim, they can do all sorts of things. And when I was growing up, there's a little bridge at the end where uh, a bunch of water rushes in to right under the bridge. And right when it comes on the other side of the bridge, it's dug a hole about six, eight feet. And for me, that was the swimming hole. We have, we have a swimming pool at the motel, but I love this secret little swimming hole at this, in this clean, fresh water during the summer that I would just go jump into. Um, it was sort of mysterious. You know, it's, it's, it's outdoors, it's wild, and it's right there on the property. And I really, I really appreciate the experience of, um, of, of swimming in the mountain waters. Now, because it was, you know, in the town, you couldn't do the skinny dipping part of it, but <laughs> uh, it was still great fun for kids. I'm going to mention a few other places that are great to go doing some uh, swimming holes. The mountains have lots of great uh, waterfalls and streams and, and things like that. And there are uh, perfect places to go get your uh, swimming experience and swimming holes on. I mean, there's just so many that uh, you, you can uh, go to that people really enjoy. Uh, there's one called Beneath the Falls. Um, and it's a, uh, it's been, it's a, it's a, there's a sparkling waterfall that, um, goes along the uh, Graveyard Fields Trail. It's about 25 miles southeast of Maggie Valley. And it's, um, and it's, it's just th- about a third of a mile from the uh, Blue Ridge Parkway at mile point 4118. Uh, and you're going to go through a tunnel, tunnel of rhododendrons and cross a wooden bridge. And then you'll come to this swim- swimming area that has an observation deck and large boulders for sun- sunning. So uh, there's also a lot of blackberries that grow there during the summer. So you can bring a bucket and pick blackberries uh, and, and also blueberries in August. Uh, and the National Park Service allows you, it, it monitors it, and uh, um, it, uh, it, it allow you to take a whole bucket out. So it's a good way to go have a full mountain experience. You get, to, you get to go hiking, you get to go swimming, and you get to pick blackberries. I can't think of anything more Smoky Mountain than that. <laughs> um, there's also some longer trails. There's also Sliding Rock. That's about 30 miles, miles south of Maggie Valley. It's this long, uh, smooth rock you can slide down to. Like you can slide. So you can go like, it's, all, sort of, it's not a waterfall. It's not as steep as a waterfall, but it's not flat either. And it's a long wa- thing. It's really fun. And the water just pushes you down. It's like 11,000 gallons of water wash, rushes down that rock every minute. So you're going at a pretty good pay, pace. And there, but there's it's a it's a park. There's bathrooms there, and it's a great it's a great adventure for people to go go along. And it's along a road that goes through the, the a lot of different. Uh, it's a real nice one of those winding mountain roads goes over mountain, goes onto the other side into Hendersonville area and things like that. So it's a great uh, drive as well as uh, uh, getting to a nice swimming pool. There's the um, there's uh, in Cherokee. There's the Oconaluftee Islands Park. All right, which is on the Kona Lefty River, and there's a couple small islands that are adjacent to downtown Cherokee and are accessible by footbridge, uh, and so you can spread a blanket out on the grass, you can barbecue, and then you can uh, float on the uh, top of the islands downstream with uh, with a tube or just swim. Other points is uh, bust your butt falls. <laughs> it gives you there has a really deep pool from the cliffs, and there's a. a uh, right there, it's a little more adventurous because there's a rope tied off on a, on a on a on a tree that helps you climb up the the rock face, uh, but it's got some ideal uh, boulders for sunning, and you can fish above and below the falls. 
Another one is the on the, on the near Gatlinburg on the Little Ridge Pigeon River. There's something called the Greenbrier Swimming Hole. So this is getting into Tennessee, um, and it's it's accessible from Route 322. It's in a deep part of the river, so it's great for swimming, and it's not widely known wildly known widely known by tourists. So it's peaceful and quiet, and it's great for sunbathing. There's also Townsend Y. That's uh, that's uh, uh, yeah, it's got a lot. It's, it's got a, it's a huge swimming uh, hole, but it's got also some small rapids for tubes. Uh, has a jump off rock, rock. It has several large pools with enough uh, that are enough space to spread out in the water. And it's near the it's near the national park uh, entrance at Townsend. Uh, one that uh, Olin didn't want me to mention because it's become so popular is Midnight Hole. All right, and. Uh, it's uh, part of Big Creek, and it's got large bottle, boulders, and it's got a small waterfall. Uh, and it's, it has some nearby other attractions, too, like the Mouse Brent Falls. Uh, and, it's, and it's so deep that it has, it's got a beautiful, dark, shimmering light into the water. Um, there's Abram Falls. It's located in Cades Cove, one of the most popular places to go visit in the Smoky, uh, Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Um, and it um, is... Um, it's about, it takes about 2.5 mile hike to get there. Um, uh, it's got a very large swimming hole. It's about a hundred feet wide in all directions. Uh, so, um, but there is a, there is a pretty turbulent waterfall that you, want to, you don't want to swim close to. And then finally, there's a Metcalf Bottoms. I mean, there's a lot more. I just picked out some of the highlights. Uh, there, in fact, this is giving me a great idea. We're going to do a blog post on one of our, our blogs to really and, and directory listing of all these great swimming holes. I think it's a it's a, a it's a great uh, resource uh, to have. I have a I have a directory site for things like this called uh, SmokiesAdventure.com, uh, where we have directories of all sorts of stuff. And it's uh, and so there is a picnic area located between Townsend and Gatlinburg, and it offers access to the little little Greenbrier River. And there's there's several more shallow swimming holes that are just scattered around. And it's a place to really throw in a tube and just float and relax in the sunshine. So those are the uh, swimming holes that, uh, uh, and the headwaters. And now we're gonna talk a little bit of white, white, white water rafting. So Olin has over 30 years in the tourism marketplace and she spent a little time in Mexico and New York. Uh, she is living her first passion and represents uh, the leading river outfitter in the Smoky Mountains region, oh, and it's uh, and she knows a lot about whitewater rafting in the Smokies. So, Olin, Olin, tell me about your passion for whitewater rafting. I think you were talking about Mexico, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, first I'll tell you I'm an Aquarian, and that's a zodiac sign for water bearer. There you so go. H2O, I think there's some H2O in my blood, um, and you know, I grew up in the '70s. And that's when Deliverance came out. And my parents loved Deliverance. So when I was a kid, they used to talk about whitewater rafting a lot. When I got to be about 14 or 15 years old, the family went on our first rafting trip on the Nantahala River. And that black and white photo, nobody's wearing helmets, is still hanging on my mom's wall today. (laughs) We actually took a Dutch inter- exchange kid on that river, and she freaked out because you know the Netherlands are flat. So that was that was quite an adventure for her. And every ever since, every chance I get, I go to the river. There's one particular place you mentioned, uh, Mexico. In nineteen, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1990, 
one, uh, my good friend Keith Carnes and I went to Mexico on an extended road trip. And one place that we went was a place called Agua Azul. Agua Azul is a very blue, pristine, beautiful river. It's got a lot of mineral buildup on it, which makes the water light blue. And we found our way to a place called El Ojo del Rio, which is the eye of the river. And it was the most spectacular place. I don't know if you can get there now. It was kind of a treacherous trip, very, very narrow path next to a massive river. And when you get to the mouth of the river, there is a huge cave very, very far up on the cliffside and you watch the water come gushing out. That is the headwaters of Agua Azul. And that did it. I already had gotten my toe wet and that just completely filled my soul with the river. Ever since then, it was tubing as a teenager driving up from Knoxville to go to the sinks and to the Y and several of those other places that you've mentioned. And then Lo and behold, on that river trip, I fell in love with commercial rafting and came back and checked out as a river guide on the Manahala River. Cool. And that was in 92. It was a long time ago. All right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that history when we come back. Uh, there's some interesting history about these rivers and the mountains that we want to explore. Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the uh, Gateway to the Smokies podcast with my guest, Olin Kent Claiborne. Hey, Olin, I'm glad to be back, right? Yeah, it's a nice break. <laughs> so um, your company, Smoky Mountain Outdoors, is located on the Pigeon River, right? That's right. So you did, um, you did a, I, I read a little um, article you wrote about the history of, of rafting and the Smokies, and I thought it was really interesting. So um, at first, and even, you know, how the, the Pigeon River got its name. Do you want to go into that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's kind of ironic. that There's a lot of places around the Sevier County that have the name Pigeon in them. There's the Middle Prong, the West Prong, and the East Prong of the Little Pigeon River. There's Pigeon Forge, and there is the Big Pigeon River, which is where we raft. They're all named after the extinct passenger pigeon which was a beautiful, very large, very colorful pigeon that was so prolific that when flocks would fly over, the sky would darken. But people loved their feathers, and feathers and fashion were all the craze, and the passenger pigeon was basically hunted into extinction. Well, once upon a time, as you know, being from uh, Western North Carolina, the Pigeon River was also the recipient of discharge from a paper processing plant in Canton. Mm -hmm. And the discharge ran downstream. Now, when I did research for this article, I learned that at the turn of the century, when lumbering the mountainsides was the thing, and this is why the park was established, was to save the mountains because they were being completely denuded. Western Carolina saw an opportunity to attract jobs and create some economic growth. The senators of North Carolina made it legal for anyone who invested over $100,000 into a paper processing plant to waive environmental protection laws and discharge their pollutants into the river. It was an incentive 
and it did create a tremendous amount of jobs. Canton went from being basically a repressed area to a boom town. There was a lot of money and people were very happy. But as you said earlier in the show, all water flows downhill. Yeah. Therefore, North Carolina pigeon section was beautiful water, but the uh, first recipient of that water downstream was Cock County, which is where we now raft. And it was so heavily polluted that uh, the local school had to close because the groundwater for the well was contaminated. People lost jobs. There was a very high incidence of cancer. The mountains, the river had really big waves, really big waves. And the early rafters on that section of the river will tell you the rapids were awesome, but they were also brown, smelly, and covered with this towering, towering buildup of foam, which was actually from the chemicals that were discharged from Canton. Now, this was all, you know, at the turn of the 20th century. So we're talking well over 100 years ago. Yeah, but it was it was that way. I remember I grew up there and I remember, you know, the I remember, um, you know, when I was growing up, the smell was so bad. We were in the Waynesville, you know, uh, we were downstream. There was a there was a part of Haywood County that's downstream. We were below Canton. And, you know, they uh, we'd complain about that smell. And the people in Canton just say, well, that's just the smell of money. Right. And uh, it was to some people, but not others. No, it was. It was all. It was awful. And I remember that foam. And we have a farm right on the Pigeon River below Canton. So uh, it I, that went on into the 70s, didn't it? It went it well into once it once the 70s rolled around and, uh, you know, it was it was kind of a granola movement. A lot of people were getting back to nature and what have you. There was a grassroots organization called Friends no, the Dead Pigeon River Society. A lot of Knoxvillians and some people from Newport and surrounding areas started creating a grassroots movement to lobby for cleaner water downstream. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there was a guy named Gay Webb who was an environmentalist, and he was sort of the spearhead of the Dead Pigeon River Society. And I got to interview him for that article. And when he was trying to convince the EPA, local governments, the federal government, that something had to be done on the Pigeon River, he actually would take jars of water that was coffee-colored to D.C. to testify. And at one time, once they started going, okay, we'll send somebody to take fish samples or what have you, they found a three-eyed fish. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> the guy says he got a, lot, got a lot of mileage out of that three-eyed fish. Uh, well, about that time in 1982, uh, in the late 70s and the early 80s, there was a whitewater rafting team in the Olympics and Deliverance came out. The stuntman from Deliverance bought all of the rafting equipment, all of the whitewater equipment, and started the first commercial whitewater rafting outfit on the Okoe River in uh Okay, I'm having a little brain wreck there, so we'll just skip the proper nouns. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's when whitewater rafting started. But on the pigeon, the water was still not commercially viable. There were several different things. It is a um, the reservoir that feeds the Pigeon River is uh, the source of hydroelectric power for a power plant, and there was no arrangement between the power plant and anybody 
to regulate their discharge of the river. Also, the water stunk and it was really nasty. But there were a couple of intrepid adventurers who saw opportunity there. One of them's name was Andy McKinnon, and he came to Gatlinburg from his years of rafting on the Okoe and tried to run whitewater rafting trips through the center of Gatlinburg. Well, that didn't work. The water's not deep enough, and it just didn't work. So then he was like, okay, we're going to go to the Pigeon River. But it was polluted. At that time, he would have people meet him at the river, and they would take a look at the river and see if conditions were favorable. And if they weren't, just give them their money back, and they'd go back home again. Well, all of these people were coming to the area because the rapids were so big, and they didn't care. River people are freedom-loving people, and it was kind of the wild, wild west of whitewater rafting in our area. And over time, the founding fathers of the area started to recognize that there was a potential for money to be had if they could develop the commercial aspects of this. About the same time, the Clean Water Protection Act was legislated at the national level, and it enabled states to to regulate their own uh, pollutants in the waters unless there was a dispute between the states and then the EPA would step in. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the, Tennessee sued North Carolina. Well, that, that's what I was wondering. I remember I remember a little bit of this where Tennessee sued North Carolina. That was kind of uh, fun, right? Yeah. And then yeah, Tennessee sued North Carolina. North Carolina did not want to have to do anything at yeah. the paper plant because it was going to affect people's jobs. The EPA stepped in. They had uh, hearings in both Asheville and in Knoxville. And they were the most attended hearings. Passions were running high, mind you. There were death threats, Molotov cocktails, you know, under the table buyouts. There was a lot of pressure on both sides to keep things the same the way they always were, except the river downstream was polluted and people's lives were being destroyed. Well, uh, the EPA... After they started paying attention to all of this, it just turned out that the um, paper processing plant, which I won't name, people can look it up if they want, discovered a less expensive way to process their paper. So they cleaned up the, they cleaned up themselves. Okay. The river is so much improved oh, now. It's, it's really beautiful. I went out, you know, by my farm. I still, we still have the farm. It's yeah, there's no, it's, 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 it's clear. Yeah, it's, it's in really beautiful shape. It now. runs clear. There's a, there's a bald eagles nesting on the river. I've seen otters. Of course, bald eagles feed on the fish. And you can otters eat the fish. Feed on the fish. You can eat the fish now, right? Yeah. yeah. I see blue herons every day. The wildlife is abundant. And as you know, those are some of the steepest slopes of the Smoky Mountains that the river runs right through. Mm-hmm. So now the water is healthy to raft in. And about the same time, the founding fathers, the water got cleaned up and the founding fathers started getting together and have, making agreements to regulate the rafting companies and establish some safety standards because they were inviting people to come to their county to raft. They were responsible for their safety. So they tapped Daniel Jeanette, who is the owner of Smoky Mountain Outdoors and who had been a guide for Andy McKinnon, who we could arguably call the father of rafting on the Pigeon River. There are others that would also, they were there at the same time, and I don't want to take away from their work on this behalf, but these are the folks I know personally. They tapped them to lobby with their fellow rivermen 
to start complying with the regulations. And ultimately, those that didn't were not allowed to have permits. So that's the way that the, the structure for the commercial rafting community in Hartford began. And that was, oh gosh, late 80s. Since that day, because the Pigeon River is located in such a beautiful area and so close to so much to do between Gatlinburg and Maggie Valley, it has become one of the top three rafting, most popular rafting rivers in the United States. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, I heard a rumor that it has been the most popular river in the United States on multiple occasions. I do know from the America Outdoors Association that the Okoe River in Chattanooga area and the Pigeon River in the Newport, Knoxville, Maggie Valley area are two of the top three at any given time. They're, they're, and then you have the French Broad too. Isn't that another river that people uh, uh, also uh, raft on? It's a very popular river to raft on. Yeah. These 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 designations are based on on commercial volume. Yeah. So the the French Broad River is a fantastic river. I personally love it. Um, it's not really in the same category in terms of the number of outfitters and the yeah. ease of access to the river. Yeah. So the Pigeon River is a very moderate, lots of fun river. It's on a scale of one to five, with one being flat water and five being expert only recommended. There are no fives on the Pigeon that we run. It is primarily a class three, four river. Uh, Smoky Mountain Outdoors is the largest rafting company on the Pigeon River, and it is the only one that has been continuously owned and operated by the guy who was a former river guide who went on to start his own company and uh, this week is currently building picnic tables and hanging out at the outpost, making sure everything is ready for our opening on March 6th. And this summer, he'll be driving the buses. His two children have grown up there. His daughter spends her summers away from Vanderbilt guiding for us. And his son, Aiden, is about to be the first 16-year-old river guide on the Pigeon River. So it's a real a family true, affair. True mountain tradition of family-owned uh, recreation, lodging, all that sort of thing. So when we come That's back... Right. And we do have a campground, too. Yeah. When we come back, we'll talk more about the tourism and opportunities for fun and, uh, and the Great Smokies and, 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 and rafting. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Olin uh, Claiborne. Um, so we're talking about whitewater rafting. You know, uh, when I was growing up, you know, I was growing up on the North Carolina side. So the place we often went to was the Natahala, right? And uh, the Natahala Outdoor Center. How is that? How is that? How do you guys uh, complement each other in terms of tourism or compete or you know, or the rivers compare, you know. You know, rivers are all different. Um, there's a great respect among the outfitters on the on the Pigeon for the outfitters on the Nantahala NOC, of course, for a long time has been the mothership of whitewater tourism in the area. Um, they're very different rivers, though. The Nantahala is so beautiful. It is cold. That water comes from <laughs> far, far beneath. It comes from, it's piped out from the bottom of a lake. So when I was a guide on the Nantahala in the late afternoon on July, 
you could see like uh, condensation rising up from the river on a hot, hot day because the river was so cold. My pat, my uh, crew used to complain that their feet were numb, and I used to say, "So, <laughs> if they're numb, you can't feel them. What's the problem?" Yeah, right. <laughs> That's not true of the pigeon. The pigeon is much warmer. And uh, the largest rapid on the uh, Nanahala is a class three, which is lesser, lesser. It's the last one. It's kind of the big grand finale on the Nanahala for the commercial rafting. Um, on the Pigeon River, almost most of the rapids are class threes with a couple of class fours thrown in. So it's warmer, it's broader, and it's got bigger rapids. Got bigger rapids, all right. Uh-huh. So there is a section of the Nata Hill that's not allowed to the public, right? Really, that's a greater lesser. I, you know, the guides used to always talk about midnight runs on greater lesser. Yeah. Don't tell anybody. Don't try this at home. Yeah. I don't believe it. I don't see how they could have because they turned the water off at night. Oh, really? It's uh-huh. hand controlled. Oh, uh, okay. But, <laughs> you know, I challenged. I challenged the owner of my company, Daniel. I said, you know what? Here's the way you did those midnight runs. They turned the water off, and he said, oh, we did it. <laughs> I'll never know. We figured out how to turn it on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Greater Wesser, it's a spectacular rapid. You can actually see it when you walk across the foothill at NOC, the footbridge at NOC to the far, to river left yeah. and walk downstream on the railroad tracks. You can see it, and it you just look at it and marvel that anybody could ever run it. That's the class five. I know. I hear that the Marines uh, tra- train on it. Yeah. You know, oh, really? I've not yes. heard that. Yeah. When, well, when I was, I don't, I don't know if they do now, but back then, and I actually saw some guys looking like soldiers on it. So, yeah, who, who, who knows? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's sort of, uh, the commercial takeout is upstream. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, you know, I wouldn't, I, you know, I, I, I uh, almost, I flipped off too many times on that Nata Halo class four but you know i knew that i wasn't i was a class three i was not ready for class five <laughs> there was no way yeah so um but you know it was, it was a good time so how how big is the tourism industry for white red rafting in the area well as you know the great smoky mountains national park is the most visited national park in the country mm. so Anything that has that offers something good to do when you're visiting the, the Smoky Mountains area is part of it. So we we add to all of the world class activities there are to do in the mountainous region. Mm-hmm. And I feel really uh, proud about the fact that when people come to our area to vacation, just like with hiking, just like with the swimming holes you were talking about earlier. Whitewater rafting is a truly authentic to the mountains experience. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some fantastic wax museums and some fantastic putt-putt places, and there are a lot of great brick-and-mortar attractions in our area for those who just want to go away and have some fun. But if you're like me and when you're traveling, you want to get really up close and personal with the landscape that you're visiting, whitewater rafting is the perfect way to do it. You can't see the mountains from the kind of perspective that you can see from the surface of the river. I love spring rafting because in the spring, we recommend that you dress accordingly. Don't wear a bikini when it's, you know, 60 degrees out, but we do raft in the spring. You can see all of the wildflowers blooming up the slopes of the mountains, and you can see the progression of green from the river surface to the high tops of the mountains. 
And you can see like the uh, princess trees, I believe it's a black locust, we call them princess trees. They bloom purple in the spring and you're floating along. It's like where no man, you know, no car can go. You can see the mountains from places where only the boats can go. And as far as I'm concerned, well, it is a very big aspect of the tourism business. And I believe the fact that the tourism business is so strong here in our mountains area I believe that that contributes to the popularity of our river. It is one of those things you can do to get off the beaten path and have a truly authentic Smoky Mountains experience. And I'm real proud of that. So um, besides spring, what are, what are the other seasons? Uh, what's the value of the, what's the, what are, what are their uniqueness for uh, rafting? Well, I'll tell you, just, just like the, we actually offer two trips on the Pigeon River, which I'll tell you about later. There's a whitewater trip and a scenic float trip. There's three seasons to rafting on the Pigeon River. Uh, there's the spring season. And during the spring season, the hydroelectric power plant that we work cooperatively with does not is not required to publish their water release schedule. So we're operating on unpredictable water levels. We don't promise white water in the spring. We do promise a river trip. That said, it is usually very rainy around here in the springtime. So I think it's safe to say that this spring, our water levels will be really higher than they are in the middle of the summer. Now, from Memorial Day weekend to Labor Day weekend, the hydroelectric power plant has a cooperative agreement with the rafting community to release water on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays from 11 o'clock to 5 o'clock. We know it's going to happen. We can schedule trips accordingly, and the water levels are regulated. So that is a really good time if you 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 want predictable results when you're planning a nature outing. That's the most predictable time for rafting on the Pigeon River. And then we do continue to raft after Labor Day. That published water release schedule agreement is no longer. So we are again on unpredictable water levels. And very often, as we know, living around here, September can be somewhat dry. But the scenery is awesome. It's a great way to see the colors change. Oh, the colors and the, going through the the, the, the forests and the, and the woods with all those colors you know, on the mountains is going to be stupendous as well as, as much as the spring would have been. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I will say that September and October around here tend to be very warm. Yeah. And, and you know, in October starts being wet again. So you start getting, you probably get some rain levels going. Yeah, yeah, and most of the most of the outfit outfitters ourselves also shut down about mid to end of October. Yeah, all right. And that's true for our campground too. So if anybody wants to just spend all of their stay on the Pigeon River, we do have a campground right next door. It's yeah. got uh, rustic cabins, tent sites, RV sites, a swimming pool, and some really pretty bathrooms. And it's right on the bank of the Pigeon, and it's right next door to our rafting company. Great. So what you have you have different kinds of trips. I was reading on your on your uh, on your uh-huh. site. So why don't you go tell me about these different trips that you guys uh, provide? Okay, well, so our our most popular Upper Pigeon River trip is the uh, traditional three thwart raft. It seats seven people. We take ages eight and up, and that is what we call the Upper Pigeon River trip. And I'm happy to tell you that TripAdvisor named the Smoky Mountain Outdoors Whitewater Rafting Upper River Trip a top 10 experience in the United States. All right. Just last year. I mean, that ranks right up there with like a helicopter picnic on the Grand Canyon Rim. 
That was one of the other top 10 experiences. So yay, smoke. Uh, we call ourselves SMOKE. It stands for Smoky Mountain Outdoors. Um, we also offer the extreme raft, Upper Pigeon River rafting trip. We call it SMOKE for it. It is a much smaller boat. There are two thwarts in the boat, minimum of three people, maximum of four. So the idea is that smaller boats make bigger hits. So you're going through the same rapid in a smaller boat. It looks bigger to you. And the requirements for that are age 12, minimum uh, minimum age of 12, and the ability to swim, because you could swim. Um, that's it for our Upper Pigeon River trips, is the snow for it and the, the traditional Upper Pigeon River trip. The Lower Pigeon is an option for families with very young children or people who want to get on the river, but they're not so sure about whitewater. Uh, it offers basically class one and two rapids. Class one is basically flat water with a current running through it. Two is some wave trains. There is one class three at the end. Um, we take ages three and up on that one. And it is beautiful, relaxing. It's a great way to see the scenery, wildlife, nature, talk with your guides, have splash fights. Little kids love it. And for those who want to try hand at paddling their own boats, we do have some super stable inflatable kayaks. We will um, let people take kayaks out instead of rafting. They go in a group with a guide so they're not just let loose on the lower Pigeon River. And um, so that's another option. So upper Pigeon, extreme, lower Pigeon, kayaks. And then if you just want some more, the full river. So you can raft the upper river, get out and have lunch, and then raft or kayak the lower river. That sounds fabulous. Okay, so we're, we're, uh, we're going to take a break down. We'll come back and we'll finish up with some insights to help make experiences better. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. And we're talking whitewater rafting with Olin uh, Claiborne of Smoky Mountain Outdoors. So, Olin, um, if people are coming to go rafting uh, as part of their experience in the Smoky Mountains, what else do you recommend they experience? Thank you for asking. We actually work with partners, our partners, Climbworks. Smoky Mountains. Climbworks is a leader in zip lining. They are a worldwide leader. They um, have a uh, counterpart, Climbworks, in Hawaii. Climbworks Smoky Mountains is about a 20-minute drive from our Riverside Outpost, and we do offer a package if anybody wants to book both a zip line trip and a rafting trip at the same time, they get a special price. Uh, I love Climbworks zip lining. Your feet never touch the ground. You are up in the mountain tops. Um, their guides are fantastic. And it's about a two and a half hour tour, depending on the trip that you take. So for what we recommend to people is if you are staying in the Smoky Mountains region, um, you might go zip lining in the morning and go rafting in the afternoon or zip lining one day and rafting the next day or vice versa. So that's a really good combination. We have a lot of friends that offer other adventure trips, 
Um, I'll put in a quick plug for my friend Vespa Bucanas and a walk in the woods. If uh, people who are nature-minded want to come and spend all of their time in the mountains, they can take a guided hike with a walk in the woods. I'll be happy to provide you with Vespa's contact information if you'd like to speak with her for your podcast. I would. I would definitely love that. Okay. The town. What, uh, what, what, what would be a good thing for uh, people to do in the town? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Gatlinburg is so full yeah. of worldwide attractions. Yes. I would get in trouble if I started mentioning <laughs> them and didn't mention them all. Oh, yeah. So I will say, though, that the, one of the, the two, the three newest premier destinations in Gatlinburg, and you're not going to find these in the other municipalities in the Smoky Mountain region, are Anakista, uh, the Gatlinburg Sky Park and Ober Gatlinburg. All three of those destinations provide mountaintop views mm-hmm. of the surrounding area. And so, Ober Gatlinburg has a ski, a slate ski slope, right? Yeah, it's the it, only, it's it, the it, only, it, um, yeah, yeah, it's the only one in East Tennessee. Yeah, so and they had a good, they had a good year this yeah, year. Yeah, so the Cat, the Catalucci is the one in Maggie Valley, and they're like the yeah. furthest south ones, I think, uh, uh, in the in the nation, right? Uh, something like that. They're you know the most southern uh, ski resorts. I think they're they're they're. I believe both Catalucci and Ober Gatlinburg have have claims to fame. I would be remiss if I tried to say what they were. Which one? Yeah, but, they, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm uh, yeah. I, I, I would have to make sure we do the research on that. But uh, they do have some interesting claims to fame. They, they have a pretty long season from November until March. Uh, and, and when the, when it's snowing like it's been now, and it's not only the made snow they have, they have this natural snow cover that goes for these mountains that are just glorious. But anyway, that, so when you can't raft in, raft in the winter, you come here to go ski it. There's fun <laughs> to be had all year round. Exactly. There's fun to be had all year round. All year round. And yeah. I will say, too, about the guided hikes, um, I know quite a few people who are fantastic hiking guides. I believe you're going to be speaking with one maybe next week. Um yeah. There is more to the forest than what meets the eye. So taking a guided hike does enhance your experience. I used to be like, why would anybody want a guide when they can just go walk the trail? Which you absolutely can. But when you go with a hiking guide, you've got someone that can tell you about the history of what you're seeing. You know, all these all these trails were originally trade routes. So there's a lot of history there, and there are a lot of stone fences and things that there's great stories behind. They can also name, a lot of them can name the birds and the plants, tell you maybe some of the medicinal or edible uh, components of some of the plants. So it does really enhance the experience to have a guide. And your guide on the water does the same sort of thing, right? Talks about They sure do. And our guides are my favorite part of my job. They are such fascinating people. They're superheroes, for one. I was only a raft guide for a little while. It is a very, very challenging job. It's physical. You have to be a great people person. You deal with a lot of jittery families. You deal with, you know, scared moms. You deal with a lot of sort of emotional um, input, and you've got to keep everybody calm and help them have a great time. Sometimes you have to deal with with, them. Things that happen, people fall in occasionally. We do offer um, some pre-rafting instruction as to what to do and what to expect. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And they're the ones that are ultimately responsible for the safety of our guests. And they have the best stories. 
They a lot of them are adventure travel professionals, and they you're, they you're, spend you're their known, time. I mean, we can't get much into that, but you are known as an incubator for adventure travel. Professionals. Yeah, so <laughs> our training is really really good. That really speaks speaks greatly uh, to your your guys' professionalism as an organization. So it, that impresses me. So, um, what, any future plans for Smoky Mountain Outdoors? What is, or what is, what's going to happen rafting in general in the Smokies over the next few years? You know, that's a really good question. I wish I could easily answer it. Um, we don't have something that's broke that needs to be fixed. You know, the old saying: "If it ain't broke, you don't need to fix it." Um, what we want to do is continue offering award-winning, world-class rafting trips and continue to enhance the experience with the great stories and suggestions that our guides offer. We do have a campground right next door. We are expanding on the um, capacity of that campground. You know, during the days of COVID, outdoor adventures have been incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. So um, what we want to do in the future is keep being as good as we are right now and never let up. Well, thank you, Olin, for being on our podcast. Uh, how, how do, how, if someone wants to contact you to give them more, more information, how would they do that? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, you can find our website at smokymountainrafting.com. And through that website, all kinds of contact information. There's contact us. There's a chat capability. You can book your trips directly through smokymountainrafting.com. Or you can call our reservations office at 1-800-771-RAFT. <laughs> 1-800-771-7238. If you'd like to email us, you can email trips at smokymountainrafting.com. There you and go. I will say I would be remiss if I didn't put in a plug for large groups. Rafting is a fantastic group activity. Family reunions, wedding trips, it's a fantastic group activity. Corporate training. We got to get more corporate training in the mountains. And that's. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. So that's, it's also a great adventure for people like that. So thank you. I'm going to finish up with a little shout outs. Uh, we are part of the, uh, the Gateway to Smokies podcast, originated out of the Where Traveler Magazine Network. Um, we uh, are, have developed a, um, a destination hub called the Great Smoky Mountains on Where Traveler. Where Traveler is an 80 year old magazine that you find in many hotels around the world, uh, specializing in things to do, where to go, and expert advice on what to do in towns. Well, now they're doing regions, and the Smoky Mountain, Great Smoky Mountains National Park area is the first region. Uh, And you will find uh, lots of listings about things to do, as well as uh, in-depth articles from experts and uh, locals about what to do in the mountains. And of course, we will be putting these podcasts up there uh, uh, as well. Um, I also own the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina, which is a motel chic roadside uh, experience, but with a large recreation area, a couple streams on the property, the ability to fish, and it's close to all the things that we talk about. It's very close to uh, Gatlinburg, probably about an hour, an hour and a half drive. You know, you can go do everything in all the different places that we talk about. Um, so if you're not looking for a campground experience, try a, a a roadside motel, it's also COVID friendly because you drive right up the door and we have contactless um, uh, check-in. Um, so um, and we'd like to say that your Smoky Mountain, Smoky Mountain adventure starts with where you stay. Um, and uh, that it gives you the base from which to go. And we are a great base to travel everywhere. 
Um, I also own uh, a, a directory site that focuses not only commercial, but also natural wonders and, you know, and places to go that have no commercial interest. And it's called smokiesadventure.com. It also talks about the history of the Smokies. And you can also get trail maps and, uh, uh, and books and things that will help your adventures in the Smokies there. Uh, we also uh, feature things where you have really outdoor weddings and rustic adventures and stuff uh, that, you know, is not necessarily dramatically uh, uh, commercial. So the large scale endeavors are not going to do it, but it's for those things that people would love to uh, investigate and find uh, to complement their experiences in the Smoky Mountains. Um, and um, let's see. Uh, you can find more about this podcast at gatewaytothesmokies.fun, all right, uh, where we will feature our guests and we will feature podcasts. We will also be publishing schedules of, 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 of uh, what were our upcoming guests. And there's a newsletter that we've started that you can subscribe to and know about upcoming uh uh, uh, events as well as the upcoming podcasts. And, there, and we will also be providing links to resources to help you with your uh, Smoky Mountain adventure. And then finally, uh, uh, this podcast is originated on the talk and talkradio.nyc network. And it's, um, it, it's a wonderful network of podcasts related to many different ever's. And you should stick around for the one after this, which is about exploring NYC which is a really great podcast if you're, if you're listening to this live. Okay, again, thank everybody for joining us. Thank my guest, Olin Claiborne. And uh, we will see you next week where we're going to be talking to Keith Garns and his partner, Craig. And Keith's name has come up a couple of times today about hiking in the Smokies. See you then. Bye. I was going to melt away.